What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We finish off the first round of our Two White Lights March Madness brackets, where we cover the Leffler Bros and the Project Strength region on the men's and female side. This finishes off the first round. Remember, if you want to get the rules and criteria of how we decided winners and losers in the se- losers and the seating, be sure to listen to our very last episode where we explain it. This episode, we didn't explain it. But we got to all the matchups. We had our debates. Steve and I, we agreed some. We disagreed some with the fans voting. Remember, fans voting counts as one vote. My vote counts as one vote. And so does Steve. So best two out of three wins. And it was another fantastic conversation. Spotlighting some of the best lifters in drug-tested lifting. And that are going to compete at Raw Nationals. It's always a great time doing that. You learn a lot about lifters. I learned a lot about lifters. Steve has. And I know you guys are as well. We do these episodes, but there's winners and losers in this, and we discuss some of the matchups, some of the potential interesting matchups. We talk a lot about certain weight classes as well, so fantastic interview. Really love doing episodes like this. Before we get into this episode and finish off the first round, we've got to talk to you guys about Leffler Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, not only do they have a bracket in the Two White Lights March Madness, they also have the best powerlifting merchandise you can ask for. If you don't believe me, go on Leffler Bros. On Instagram, visit their website and look at the Leffler Bros. Family Grow. The merchandise looks great. The designs they keep on releasing get better and better. People love them. I love them. I look great. Everyone who I've seen wearing Leffler Bros. has looked great as well. You know why? The designs are dope. They don't do this ragtag, generic-ass bullshit. They actually make awesome designs. They relate to strength sports in some way, and they're for the power lifters. So if you guys want some Leffler Bros. merchandise, go to LeffleurBros.com, use promo code 2WL15, and you will get 15% off your order. It is one of the best discount codes in powerlifting. I would actually argue that it is the best. Go to LeffleurBros.com, use promo code 2WL15, and get yourself some merch. They got designs galore, and they also got two White Lights merchandise as well. Remember, you can't get two White Lights merchandise anywhere aside from LeffleurBros.com. And guess what? That same promo code I just used, 2WL15, works on two White Lights products as well. So the dad hats, both tees that we got, gym banners, you can get that if you use promo code 2WL15 and save yourself some money on LeffleurBros.com. Also, go to Rivalist.net and get yourself some Informed Choice Supplements. Informed Choice Supplements are important for all you drug-tested athletes. We're covering Raw Nationals for a reason. We're a little bit biased towards drug-tested athletes. So remember, Informed Choice Supplements, make sure there's no sort of tainted stuff, some banned substances, some banned supplements out there. Rivalist has got you covered from pre-workouts to proteins to branched-chain amino acids. You, You see that Informed Choice, you are good. Use promo code ANGELO15 to save yourself some money on all Rivalist products. Remember, promo code ANGELO15. Also, get on lift.net and get yourself some Stoic gear. I only wear Stoic gear in the gym on the platform, and you know why? It's the best powerlifting gear on the planet right now. I absolutely love Stoic gear. I love the knee sleeves, the singlets, the wrist wraps. They look great, too. They got the white label, the black label, the green label, you name it. They will have it on lift.net. Use promo code ANGELO10 to get 10% of all Stoic gear. Also, 
Make sure you are following Notorious Lift on Instagram. Sign up for their newsletter and don't miss out on any one of their drops. They got the no slip drip slippers and they not only are going to help your deadlift, they're going to make you look good while deadlifting. That's like 90% of it, looking good while you deadlift because they got enough designs that are going to make your gym attire, your platform attire, and you're going to deadlift and you're going to look pretty doing it and you're going to be you're going to want to be on those drops because those drops are big, they're important because you don't want to miss on design. Remember, you can't go to Notorious Lift and get whatever you want at all times. You got to be on the lookout for those drops. You got to be on it quick. So sign up for the newsletter, know exactly when they're going to drop, get the updates on your phone, and you can get yourself the design that your heart desires. And I know you want to get the right design. So make sure Notorious Lift on Instagram, sign up for the newsletter. Also, subscribe to Two White Lights on Spotify. We need that support. And also, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts as well. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. It is Monday, March 22nd, and we are here again about to discuss the Two White Lights March Madness. How are you, Steve? I'm good. This is going to be anything like the real March Madness. It's been crazy so far. Yeah. Yeah, my wallet, uh, my betting accounts have suffered greatly from this. I can't get a bet right. I'm a terrible gambler. So if I hey, pick you against you, yes, I did. Um, I I really have a dog in that. I was just rooting for everyone to have a great time in that one. Or I actually, I can't couldn't even bet on that game, Loyola versus Illinois, because for some reason in Illinois, if you have a sportsbook account, you can't bet on the teams in your state if they're co- college. So I didn't even get to bet that game. So I was just watching the game like, oh, whoever. That's, uh, I, I've been to Champaign a bunch of times, and I fucking hate that campus. So props to Loyola and Sister Jean. I never had anything anything wrong with Loyola Chicago. So, <laughs> I laughed out loud at your story of like being the fun teacher who plays uh, the – college basketball and then your your students slowly learning your betting on this and that's why it's so interesting yeah yeah that's pretty much i mean that's if you're watching march madness and you're watching towards the fourth quarter and the score is like 74 to 82 and you're going crazy over the last garbage time free throws you know exactly who in the room has money on what uh the under over spread who knows also i'm a terrible gambler so if you guys i pick against you in this March Madness bracket, just know that it's probably the wrong choice because I've, I'm I think I'm 0 for 4 today as far as bets go. So that's always good. So, yeah, March Madness, uh, maybe maybe in powerlifting March Madness, I have a little bit better of a, of a gambler's perspective. Yeah, hopefully we're, we're a bit more on track with these than what my bracket, I don't even know what my bracket is. I gave, I'm a Purdue fan. After they lost, I don't care anymore. I'm done. Yeah, I gave, I gave up on the brackets and now it's like, all right, let's put some money on these games. Um, yeah. So, well, all right. So we have the very first matchup here in our Leffler Bros region, which in a gambling perspective, I think this might be a pretty easy bet. We got 
Taylor Atwood going against Captain America lifts Justin Rogers. And just like Eric LaPointe, this is a hard matchup. Yeah. I it kind of sucks when you're matched up against the best lifter in the USAPL and IPF for like five years in a row now. Yeah. I mean, Justin's a super strong lifter and I, it looks like he's, his biggest issue has been back issues and that kind of holding him back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he seemingly, I think he's pretty healthy right now. And if, and if he can string together some good training, I mean, he is a very strong dude. Um, I, I'm not sure he'd be looking at podium spots um, just because I think uh, Keiko, Gavin Aiden, uh, and uh, Borkert have kind of separated themselves a good deal. Also, on top of that, Bob Matthews. But yeah, yeah, well, that's very interesting. I have I actually made a bubble lifters bubble lifters tab. Bob Matthews isn't on here because just based off a good lift score, he didn't make the top thirty-two. But that's odd. I mean, that's obviously going to be very very interesting. Yeah, seeing him under Marcellus now, um, and under what I consider more kind of like strategic and planned out training. That it's going to be less maxing out and and a, a bit more managing of fatigue and, and keeping him in the pocket. So I'd be I'm. Very excited to see how that goes, but the, the 93 kilo class, like that's, I don't, I guess I'll call it the second tier. Like you have those top three that have kind of like they're 850 kilo plus. So I'm not sure other people are going to be there. There's a bunch of people stacked in like that, like 810 to 840 range, a bunch of lifters. Um, and Justin will be right in there. And he is a, I mean, he has a good, I put his kind of like ceiling, I think it like fourth, like I could see him yeah. potentially if everything goes great. He, he's fourth, super strong, but he got matched up against Taylor Atwood. Yeah. I mean, there's not much we else we need to say. I mean, there's, there's no, there's literally maybe only one or two other people that can get matched up against Taylor. And we're not going to be like, yeah, they got matched up against Taylor. This is kind of not really fair. Yeah. He's a one seed for his reason. He is pound for pound. One of the best lifters in the IPF and the USAPL. He's had that title for about three years now until Ashton Roscoe actually had him topped on good lift points. So there's, that element to it and right now even with 74s i i think if austin perkins is able to beat him taylor atwood's still going to be top four as far as good lift points in when it's all said and done at raw nationals he is going to be top three in the in perkins would have to probably be the best overall lifter in the usapl if he wants to beat atwood at raw nationals so regardless no matter how you shake it with atwood he's going to come out as far as the overall lifter category goes within the elite ranges of top, I, I would still say three to one. Yep. I mean, this is kind of like, I mean, uh, as we do this kind of how I think of power rankings of what we're doing is kind of like how UFC is since there's weight classes. Yeah. Um, usually the champions in some manner are, are, are like the top. And then there's usually sprinkled in some of the guys just, Atwood. If somehow Perkins beat him, Atwood is by far the highest rated second place person. He yeah. probably would be above some of the champions. I mean, he's just he's just incredible. But I mean, even with that, Matt, he's going to be the heavy favorite to still beat Perkins, even though Perkins is definitely progressing. Atwood's Atwood's seemingly progressing just as fast somehow. Yeah, I have no idea how, but he seemed to hit like a second gear. Um, I think a lot of that's just because he's been healthy lately. Um, it seems like he's finally stringed together good training without as many back issues. I think he had that adductor issue as well, um, and I think he's just had some productive training over last year. Um, and yeah, I mean, he just seemed to hit a second stride and eight twelve point five. that didn't even look hard. He looked like he, nope. he probably had 
825 maybe 820 825 mm-hmm. i mean he literally could he could go up to 83 kilo and possibly podium yeah that was the conversation yeah that was a conversation that was happening after that meet was you know is is when is it when is there going to be a time to go to 83 and i don't think the time is now but take his total with 812 that he got and possibly with something left in the tank i thought he definitely had something on the tank on his squat and deadlift so if you're looking at 825, yeah, you're looking at a potential powerhouse of an 83 kg lifter. And yeah, that meet that he did, I thought was the best meet of 2020. I thought that was the best performance of 2020. Actually, one of the best powerlifting performances I've ever seen uh, from him. So yeah, moving on to the next round is Taylor Atwood. I think he had the highest voting. I think it was like 96% for Atwood So uh, to Justin Rogers 4. So he won on the fans voting. But like you said with Justin Rogers, um, some injury things. Actually, I'm not too familiar with it just uh, as far as his background and training goes. But I do know this. He is raw. He has not competed a whole lot. And he's already in a position where he's top 10, 93. I think he has three comps under his belt. And if you go on yeah, open powerlifting. He's one in 93, I believe. He just he used to be 105. Yeah. So he was 105. 2019 Nationals, he competed 105, I believe. Did, hold on. Did he? Because on open powerlifting, they have some messed up things on Justin Rogers. So, because they, they have them under, they don't have them separated under names. Me and him actually found that out together. We were looking at uh, good lift points and totals, and we noticed that there was, like, there was some crazy 2012 totals for Justin Rogers. Common name, and open powerlifting has to separate it. Uh, that happens a lot in open powerlifting, where lifters have to be like, I'm the actual Justin Rogers that, that like, link it to the Instagram, please. Um, yep. But um, so yeah, he did. He competed at 105, but he only weighed 96 kilos. So he was a light one, and he totaled 837.5. So I mean, he's got the potential for that. And nine, and he weighed 91.7 at his last meet. So either way, like I said, I I, I could see his potential of 840, and that would put him very likely in fourth place, um, or at least be shooting for fourth place, which is very respectable in the 93 kilo class. Because like I said, that is a very competitive class. So. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see with that. And again, with like I just his limited number of competitions that he's done, I think there's only room for growth for him. So um, excited to see what he does. He's definitely going to be a future powerhouse in 93 kilos. But on to our second matchup, we got usually the most interesting matchup between eight and nine. We have John Gruden, better known as Deuce Gruden, against. Jesus Oliveris, better known as Megatron. So yeah, this, this one, yeah, this one, I, I would say is closer than what people think because the fans voting was heavy for Jesus, which is yeah, that hilarious. That's kind of surprising. Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a funny part of it is a popularity contest and Jesus Oliveris is apparently more popular than the son of legendary head coach John Gruden. <laughs> Shows how much anime power lookers are watching and not sports and actual football. <laughs> that Deuce Gruden isn't as popular. I, there's probably a lot of powerers. I mean, a lot of people have just started to have no idea who Deuce Gruden is because, yeah. I mean, he really hasn't been on the scene much since his 2018 Worlds, 2000, yeah, 2018 World title. Yeah. I, I mean, because he's really just kind of been floating around since then. I know he got injured a little bit. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a flex boy, I believe yep. still is, I think. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you just seemingly don't see much about him. 
And so that's why this is kind of tough. Like, I, we've talked about it. I mean, if he wasn't a strength and conditioning coach for the Oakland Raiders and could actually, like, dedicate himself to powerlifting, I mean, like, he could be the best 83. Yeah. He obviously just has a really cool job that's a bit more important, per se, than powerlifting, and he can't. And strength and conditioning is unbelievably taxing job because the hours a lot of them work. Um, so, yeah, I mean, one of the things that we just we just don't know what he's going to do, we can only guess. So that kind of is where this int- this matchup gets interesting is we have a bit better idea of what Jesus can do. We don't really know what John can do other than just kind of guesses off of real little tidbits we've gotten in this training. Yeah, I yeah, that, that makes sense. And it, it is, it is going to be hard for us to bet against Jesus in this scenario because Jesus has built so much forward momentum, so much progress and has put himself on a stage where he can dethrone Ray. And, and if he can beat Ray Williams, if he ends up winning Ray Williams, he is in the argument to win this Mark Madness bracket because it's not necessarily good lift points, best overall lifter. It's who you believe is the best lifter in the USAPL. And super heavyweights get shafted by good lift points. They get shafted by Wilkes. They get shafted by pretty much any formula that's going to decide who the best overall lifter is. But you're potentially talking about the strongest dude in the USAPL if he could dethrone Ray Williams. And if he's able to do that, you know, he's I think he's a, a nine seed on this. Ray Williams? Uh Jesus. Jesus, yes, he's a nine seed. He's a nine seed. This is one of those other matchups where it's like you're talking about the nine seed, possibly argument having that they're the best lifter in the USAPL based on this little bracket thing that we're doing. So yeah, it's it's hard to bet against that. And like you said with Gruden, we know how strong he is. He has the past accolades. He is a junior world champion, but he really can't compete. I've talked to him before on this, and I was asking, like, so are you ever going to do Raw Nationals? And it was actually funny. I actually spoke this into existence. If you look at the DMs that I sent, I might uh, screenshot and send it to you. But uh, I might have spoke this into existence because he's like, no, dude, with the season, it's pretty tough to compete at Raw Nats. I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. I'm like, even under my job, it's pretty hard to compete in October. But he was like, dude, if it was in the summer, though, I'll be all in. And I was like, God, I wish they would move it to the summer. I didn't want COVID to force them to move Raw Nationals into the summer, but apparently I spoke to an existence. We're getting Raw Nationals in the summer. I get my wish. He gets his wish. And we're going to see Deuce Gruden compete. Uh, last competition he did, 787 kilos in 2019, I believe that was, which fantastic meets, but I did see the highlights of that meet. Um, it, was, it was a true 787. That was about as much he was good for as that day. So it's, he is going to be really hard to decide where he's at. Yeah, It's like, he's actually the hardest guy. It's like, you know, the potential, you know, how good he is. You know, he's one of the best 83s, but where's his progress at? Where's his platform rust? Like what, what's the deal? And he doesn't really post a whole lot of training. Again, he's busy. He has probably, you know, a more demanding job than everyone on this bracket. So He's going to be the most interesting person to look out for. And I think it's a little closer than what people are making it out to be based on the fans voting. Yeah. And I, I think we've seen Deuce post a 675 squat. He's squatted 622 at his last meet. He's posted a 455 bench, I think. And that's, he benched 424. And I haven't seen any deadlifts. So 
not saying he's going to hit those in a meet, but let's say if he hit, what, you said 787.5? Mm-hmm. Let's say he adds 30 kilos to that. That's good. That's going to put him in the conference. He's very much going to be in the heat of a battle. I mean, this third place battle, most likely, for 83 is going to be intense. Yeah. Um, but he's probably not in the battle with Sean and Russ. I, I we, He'd need to have some significant progress, and it, it, it is possible since we just don't know, and maybe he's going to get some really good training because this is going to be in his, in the, his off season. But because we don't know, we're going to have to guess like at 820-ish is like his ceiling, um, 810 to 820 kilo, which will puts his ceiling at, at third, where Jesus, his ceiling is first, and his floor is second. Yeah. And I will say I disagree about one thing. Jesus, one, I think is a very real shot at beating Ray, but beating Ray doesn't make him one of the best lifters in the USAPL yet because, I don't know how to say this in the right way, beating Ray, if Ray doesn't come back being the normal Ray we used to be, that's not beating Ray in the same manner. I, I look at Ray Williams as the guy that's, that hit a 24-56 total. Okay. That makes Ray at the time, arguably the best lifter in the USAPL. Now, Jesus, I think he hit like 22-something before. If he goes like 2,300, that's still super impressive. But I don't know if I would consider – I would put him in maybe like a top three discussion until he's flirting with what Ray did at his peak. But here's here's the thing. So if we have this conversation when Ray Williams totals 2,400 – he would win the bracket, right? He would easily, in my in my opinion, I would put him at the top of my list based on that performance. Yes. He would be he would be the best lifter in the USAPL, and I think I think most people reckon. I mean, I wasn't really into the USAPL at the time, but I think most people recognize that he was. But that's an all time world record performance. If we're taking it now, there's a twenty three hundred pound total best. Ashton Rouska and Taylor Atwood and Russ Orhe. That's the interesting question. Like the one thing, let me rephrase. Jesus hit twenty three twenty six. Okay, so he has him twenty three hundred. So let's say twenty four hundred. Then, if he does twenty four hundred, I think he's in the discussion. I still would like to see him beat Ray, like Ray's best total, which I think he very well could. But I, I think my biggest point is beating Ray doesn't make him the best in the USAPL. He yeah. needs to. He needs, I would want him, because we talked about, like, not only are we looking at in this bracket, like, your proximity to first place, but you're also proximity to world record total. And that's, like, one of the reasons we were bumping up the 66 kilo guys is their proximity to the world record total. They're all looking at breaking it. That's impressive. Jesus, I don't know if he, he could, but I'm not sure he's going to be looking in June yet at breaking the world record total. I think that's something uh, maybe in 2022 would start to be looking very, very realistic for him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, guess we'll just, I guess it'll just turn into a debate with me, like, what do you value more? Even if he does, say, come close to 2,400 or, or just go past that 2,400 mark, is it more impressive than Taylor Atwood's total at, like, say if a Taylor Atwood totals 820 or something, and Ashton mm-hmm. Roscoe totals, well, what's he at right now? Like a, a 9... If he totals like nine fifty ish, I think. Yeah, if he totals like nine seventy or something, like where do you weigh that as far as super heavies go? Because I still put you, I possibly could put you at the top of the list still because you are legitimately the strongest person there. 
So I it's it, it's hard for me. I, I guess I, I guess with Taylor like based on Taylor Edwards and Ashton, historically they're better than everyone else in their weight class. Mm-hmm. So I I guess that's going to be the debate going in the later rounds is how much we value super heavyweights totals compared to other people's totals. So luckily for Jesus, he's got my vote. Moving on to the next round, uh, closer than what people thought though. I. I think a lot of people thought it was a runaway for Jesus. I had to still think about it, and I just couldn't give Deuce the nod over. I think he could total eight ten to eight twenty. I think he could total that, but that still isn't. I think you have to total above eight forty if you want to win eighty threes. So um, yeah, I would have Jesus moving on. The fans, how about you, Steve? Yeah, I'm going with Jesus too. Same reason. I mean, this is this is this was something that had to be thought about, but. And it's mainly because we just we just don't know what John's going to do. We don't know much about him. Um, and I'm going to keep reiterating over and over. I'm looking at ceiling. I don't see John's ceiling as first, and I see Jesus's ceiling as first. And if he wins 120 kilo class and dethrones Ray, that's huge. That's 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 massive. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we got the next matchup: five first twelve, Bryce Lewis versus David Wilson. So both. 105 kg boys um for this one i think if we were talking about wilson as a 93 it'd be a little bit more of a a little bit more of an interesting discussion but bryce lewis right now i do think he is getting that over that austin perkins overlooked label we're gonna patent that as the austin perkins overlooked label (laughs) i have to preface austin because right now it's like I mean, the real thing, though, Bryce was overlooked before Austin was overlooked. We all overlooked Bryce, for the most part, going into 2019. Yeah. He was overlooked. And look what he did. He beat Ashton. Which is crazy. It's Bryce Lewis. Like, that's one of the guys. The the fact that we're overlooking him is quite insane. He is one of the most consistent, one of the most accolade-rich USAPL lifters that we've had. And and same, same goes for even in the international stage. And right now, based on just crazy totals that we're seeing from Ashton and Mikey D, Bryce Lewis is kind of getting, you know, forgotten about. And I, I don't think that's fair. I don't, I don't think that's fair. Um, I, I think, uh, I think people are starting to lose sight of who is the actual true contending or the reigning 105 kg champ. And that's Bryce. Yeah. And the, yeah, I'll go back to Bryce versus David. This is one of the interesting ones. This is one of the few ones we have that it's weight class against in the same weight class. Yeah. So it's it's pretty easy to compare. Like, who's stronger? Um, and right now, Bryce is stronger. Day's training's been going really well lately. He just hit that 816 for mm-hmm. two. It was strapped, but I, also, I don't think he gets a ton out of straps. So I, I don't really think that's too big of a, a note there. Um, so Dave is... I think Dave is going to finally hit his stride at 105. I think we could see him very well push, kind of start inching closer to those top three, mm-hmm. the big three per se, and, and Ashton, Bryce, and Mikey. Um, I'm just not sure if he's going to be there quite yet. Uh, and because of that, I mean, uh, I mean, Bryce, he's going to get my vote in this because we can just straight look at totals. Um, we We really don't know Bryce's true potential in the sense of like, He's one of the people in this, uh, like, this bracket. Um, he probably should be a, 
a three seed in my opinion. Yeah. If if his mock meet, which I, I put a little more credence in his mock meet because one, um, other than the press command, it was pretty well the standard. And then two, I don't believe he has to cut. So like it, it's it's not like horribly outside the range of like what he was going to be doing in a meet. Um, as well as he typically does in a meet what he does in a gym, if not better. So yeah. he, he's a very good meet day performer. So based off of what he did in that mock meet, he would probably move up to a three or a four seed in this bracket. Um, so I very, I know people are, we're going to, we're going to hype up Ashton. We're going to, everyone is because Ashton's incredible, but I would not sleep on Bryce Lewis. I think he is a very strong contender to win. Yeah. Yeah, I would, not, I would not be someone to want to bet against him. Yes. Um, yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, with and as far as this is consistency goes, too, you always have to take that into account that he's a great meet day performer. He constantly comes to Raw Nationals with something in the tank that's good. And he often doesn't let people down with his performances. And that, that's got to be taken account for because I think that's it's sometimes a lost – it's a lost value in powerlifting is being yeah. consistent and being regularly good. Yeah, there's no issue. I mean, because technically, there's never going to be an issue on a squat with depth. On bench press, he seemingly never has any issues there as well. Deadlift, the only thing he used to have is a little bit more of a grip issue, and he's kind of fixed that. So, like, if the strength's there, he's someone who's going to hit the lift. Yeah. And that's the difference between him and some other lifters. Um, Ashton is phenomenal, but he's had some times in the past where, like, he had the strength and he just – didn't hit the lift yeah uh, whether it was depth uh, whether he's kind of had the pec issues lately and bench hasn't gone as well in meat sometimes so i mean ashton's going to be the favorite just based off of what he's done but bryce is a very very close second i, I would not consider he's going to be an underdog in the way people view him but i don't consider him an underdog in the sense that like i he could win like he very well could win yeah. so therefore i mean that's, that's why he's getting my vote i mean he's his ceiling is one his floor I'd almost say his floor is two. I don't see him getting third because he's going to make lifts. And I don't think both Mikey and Ashton would beat him. I think it's going to be one of the or. So I, that's kind of a weird way to put it. But I think his floor is actually two because I know what he's going to bring. And it's the other two guys would have to have literally perfect days to both beat Bryce. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, I would say, I, I mean, the battle between all three of them is going to be extremely interesting. I would obviously have Ash as my... It's my clear favorite right now. It's if we're comparing it to someone, it's like Gonzaga and this current March Madness. They're actually it's actually a very good comparison. Gonzaga and Ashton Roska, like this year, Gonzaga typically is a team that has this potential. They're one seed, they're two seeds sometimes, and then they get to the Final Four in the finals, and they just don't quite get it there. But this year, it's like they're a one seed and they're killing teams. How can he not bet against the Gonzaga? Same thing with Ashton Roska. His total speaks for itself, so I think he's the clear favorite in that sense. But still, within the 105s, it's an interesting battle, especially with him and Mikey D. Mikey D might get knocked down a little bit because of the recent meat mishap where he, I, I believe, it was an adductor strain. I think they called it a strain, which is good. I think that was within him and Joe's. sounds like it's... I don't think there's any bruising going on after the meet, so at least from my knowledge. So, you know, maybe that will affect him. I mean, Nationals is not too far away. We're looking at 13 weeks out, so preps are starting probably right now uh, for Raw Nats. So you have to take that into account. But, yeah, the battle for 105 top three is going to be extremely interesting and close. 
I would say same thing with you. The this uh, the floor for Bryce Lewis is probably two or three. Um, I would say two. Uh, and if it's a really bad performance, three. Uh, David Wilson, I will, I mean, I think he's well aware, and he has, I think, admitted on the show before, that he is still growing into 105s. He is still trying to move the weight necessary to be a top contender at 105. Um, and that's going to take some time. And I can tell you right now, he's making already fantastic progress because at Raw Nationals in 2019, it was just very clear that he was probably like he was on the balance of being a 93 lifter and a 105 lifter. He was small. Mm-hmm. He was a small 105 guy. You knew he was you knew he was the defending or he was the former 93 KG national champion, but it takes some time to grow into that division especially with those big boys. So, I I say David Wilson is a type of competitor who will grow into that division and he will be within the top 5. I'd say by uh, 2022. Yeah. I know his totals 865. And I remember, I think he actually said on the show, he left a little bit in the tank and he kind of regretted that then knowing like how then the whole USAPL ranking system came out. He's like, I wouldn't have left anything in the tank if I knew like I needed to like go all out. So he, he totaled 865. I think based off of his list and kind of what he said, maybe 885 was possible on the day if he went all out, which would have put him, um, very much in contention and kind of like that, that four to seven range. Cause you're going to have him Amendola, um, it came in battle, all kind of battling it out there. And then maybe one of them can jump up and be with Mikey Bryce and Ashton. But I, th- I think at least our, our general perspective is that Mikey Bryce, Bryce and Ashton are kind of tier one. And then we kind of have the second battle between, uh, came Amendola and, and Wilson there. Yeah, absolutely. So for this looks like a clean sweep for Bryce Lewis. He is going to move on our March Madness bracket. And our next one, the Battle of the Iron Office. Jonathan Keiko versus Rodrigo Manzo. So we bought up Rodrigo last episode, defending 66KG national champion. And in this a very interesting battle where they can all try and attempt Charles Balco's world record. Normally, that will get you a win in any sort of bracket scenario. But you got Jonathan Keiko. And Jonathan Keiko is defending 93kg national champion. He's seemingly getting better. And if he has a meet where he progresses from his last meet, which I'm actually confident that he would, we're talking about a guy who should be considered one of the pound-for-pound best lifters in the USAPL. Yeah, I mean, he he didn't go all out of that meet. I think it was 892.5. I think he easily very well has a 900 kilo total in them. Um, yeah. I mean, this goes to like, they both have the ceiling of getting first. I think Jonathan barring something crazy happened is looking at winning the 93. He is the heavy, heavy favorite. Rodrigo very much is in that equation to win the 66. I don't think we know as much about Rodrigo. I mean, he obviously posts his training and it's seemingly going really well. Um, but he hasn't competed, so we haven't seen how that's on the platform. But he's very much in the conversation of possibly winning the 66 kilo. But even if he is, we, we then go kind of to the discussion. We have to rank the weight classes. And 93 is just a more competitive weight class than 66. So a win at 93, in my opinion, is a bit more impressive than 66, um, just because of the depth of that division, um, as well as the fact that Keiko is going uh, – he's already won, has the unofficial world record. 
And two, he's going to expand upon it. Um, and he might be able to get close. This would be a crazy thing. I mean, this is kind of a, I'm sure he's thinking about this, is beating Jesse Norris's, like, infamous Idaho local meet 93 record. Yeah. Yeah. He's knocking I, on the door of that, and that is a very strong possibility. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is a, this is just a bad matchup to be in if you're Rodrigo. It's unfortunate because, uh, just in the sake of this uh, ever important uh, March Madness bracket, but you're, you're going against the guy who's built so much momentum. He's extremely consistent. He has that going, all going in his favor. And I, I, I just can't see a scenario where Jonathan Keiko isn't, isn't, isn't uh, going to win 93. I think he'd be pushed. I think he'd be pushed. It might be a closer within kilos than people could assume. But I just don't see a scenario where he's not winning 93. And if you're winning 93 and he improves about his total, we're talking about an all-time performer. And one thing to note here, I think I might have mentioned this last episode. I, I put this bracket together before Keiko's uh, meat was added to open IPF. Yeah. If he taken his most recent meat performance, I believe that bump, bumped him up to a two seed. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's so, he's another one of those guys who is like he's a definite one he's a one to three seed in anything. Yeah. So So Rodrigo just got a bat because this kind of goes back. I mean, like we talked about Michael C versus Jonathan Garcia last episode. The issue here is Rodrigo got matched up against a guy that just set an all time world record total and it wasn't accounted for in this bracket and Jonathan should be higher. And even though Rodrigo very much has a chance to win 66, um, Keiko's just going to take this one for me just because of the, the insanity of what he has done and what it looks like he's going to do. All right. A little sidebar. I don't know if you mentioned the last uh, episode, who would be your favorite to win 66? I'm back and forth on that. I don't know. Cause that I write really, I said last time Daniel Clements is if I was a betting man he would be my favorite, but I don't know. I really I'm really not sure who I pick. I mean I think I think I probably still would think Daniel, mainly because he's going to have the last poll. Yeah, that's a good. Um, point. He's the biggest puller out of all of them. He pulled 700 in the warm up room after his last meet. Yeah, he's going to have the last poll, and that has it, that has a big. I don't know the right word for it. That there's a lot, there's a lot behind that. When you have the last poll and everyone else is really close, that means a lot because you get you get to have the chance to win. No one else gets the chance to win in that same manner. So I go if they're all equal. Let's just say John, Daniel, and Rodrigo are all just equal, and we all expect them to do the exact same thing. I'm picking Daniel for the reason that he gets to pull last. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that, but I think I would rank it as far as going Daniel. Um, I guess missing weight does knock him down a little bit in my mind, but Daniel, Jonathan, then Rodrigo. So with that in my mind, with that ranking, that's why with this, even with this matchup with Keiko, it was just like, it was, it was hard for me to come up with the scenario where Rodrigo would be moving on. Um, fans vote had Keiko moving on. And that's big because Rodri- I mean, a lot of reasons we're thinking is of, a, of Jonathan and Daniel because of recency, because they've competed. We've seen them put... Mm-hmm. their more recent strength on the platform. We haven't seen that with Rodrigo. So just the fact of the matter is in this opinionated brackets matchup, 
um, we don't have as much information as we do with Daniel and Jonathan to be able to put Rodrigo above them. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. All right, so looks like another clean sweep. Keiko gets a fan's vote, my vote, and Steve Denovi's vote. Next one. This one is probably going to be the most contentious debate that we have on the men's side. Charlie Dixon versus Chance Mitchell. And this one was decided on the fans' vote by, I believe, 10 voters. And there might be some Russian voting fraud going in because right when I messaged you, or right when I put on my story that it was too close to call, it was 50-50, 10 votes came in for Charlie Dixon. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. It might be some voter fraud. Who knows? Might be some uh, Russia might have had a bit to play on this one. But it was extremely close on fans voting. And really, it was close in my mind too. So where I was disagreeing a lot with the fans with the first round of voting, this one, I'm like, yeah. It was very interesting to hear fans' opinions on this too. Because we had the label of it being a popularity contest and I was getting contrasting fan DMs saying, oh, the only reason why Chance is getting this many votes is because he's popular. Then people saying, only reason why Charlie Dixon's getting this many votes is because he's popular. I'm like, w- w- are you guys reading the same thing? What's going on here? It seems like there's a little bit of a hypocrisy going on. Or contradiction, if you will. Yeah. Well, they're both popular. Um, but, I mean... Here's the biggest issue with this comparison. If we were comparing 2019 Charlie Dixon to even 2021 Chance Mitchell, that would be a very, very close comparison. Yeah. The issue is Charlie has been battling the injury bug hard. I don't think he was even squatting or deadlifting until recently again. And I don't think we're going to see 2019 Charlie at Raw Nationals. And what we're trying to vote on here is the best lifter at 2021 Raw Nationals, not who was better in 2019 or who's been the best historically. I mean, Chance seemingly has been doing great in training. I think he hit, what, an 835 total was his qualifying total. Let me check that out. Yeah, 835. I mean, that was... I think he had a little more in the tank, but let's say he didn't have more in the tank there. I, I, I watched that meet a little bit. Um, let's say he has 850. Charlie did 845 at 2019, but I don't think Charlie can beat 845 again. I, I'm, I, I don't really know what Charlie can do because he just hasn't been lifting. So therefore, Chance is going to get my vote. It would be a very good discussion if Charlie was healthy because Charlie hit 845 in 2019. Chance looks like he's probably going to be able to go 850. So that would put them in a very close little battle there. And then it's a lot more of a discussion kind of going back and forth. And I can see that that 50%, 50% and why it was so close in the stories. But if you're taking in recent training, um, I, it's got to go to Chance um, for the reason that he is healthy, he is progressing, and Charlie just has, has not been 2019 Charlie in a while. Yeah, I mean, much of what you said I agree with. If you would have got his total from 2019 Raw Nationals and he was still building that momentum leading forward into 2020 or 2021, I would actually probably say Charlie Dixon. I mean, why not, right? Like, why can't you assume that he's going to surpass his total? And because they're so close, you have to look at, okay, Chance didn't have a total of 2019 Raw Nationals. I believe he was hurt, right? 
Was he injured? Say it again. Was Chance Mitchell injured for 2019 Raw Nationals? Because he didn't compete. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, so I have that to my disposal with Charlie Dixon. So if he has his performance at Raw Nationals, which was great, and he was consistent in the gym and going into 2020, 2021, I would probably you know give my vote to Charlie. But that's just not the case right now. That's just not the case. And it's it's hard to vote for someone who seemingly is just not exactly 100% platform ready. And Chance Mitchell, I know he has a history of, you know, getting snapped up a little bit um, and trying to come back from training. And right now, he seems great. He seems fantastic. He's building so much po- positive momentum into the 93s. Um, I don't know exactly where he's going to fall in the 93s as far as ranking, but I just know that with his current training, he's going to make some progress on that already beefy total. Yeah. I mean, I see, I see chances ceiling. He could possibly, I mean, we're going to have to see what Gavin Aiden does on the platform. Gavin Aiden's done 830 in the meet. He had that little like mock meet where I think he went like 865. Um, and he's looked significantly stronger in training now than when he did the 830. So I very much assume Gavin Aiden's going 850 plus, and he's probably going to be just behind Connor Borker. And then Connor's going to be just behind Keiko. I think chance probably could have a good battle with Gavin. I, so I think Chance's possible ceiling is third. Um, his floor is probably fourth, maybe fifth, depending on what like LS or maybe Bob or Justin does and, and comes in the progression they make. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see, I mean, Charlie, I think he hit 802.5 at the Arnold. And so that's his most recent meet. And he's gotten hurt again since then. Even though he had a he had his back, he hurt his back. I think on his like first opening attempt at the Arnold, so he's hurt his back again since then. So like, I, I would compare more Charlie Dixon's eight hundred two point five total than his eight forty five based off of recency and oh, yeah. how he's been doing. Yeah, for sure. So, I would I would have to agree with you. And then I think we are going to go in the opposite way of the fans here. Two for two to one, two white lights vote for Chance, and then the fans voting for Charlie Dixon. So that means Chance Mitchell is moving on to the next round. All right, we got another interesting battle here. The 120-kilo GOAT, Dennis Cornelius. Young prodigy, Gavin Adden, at the 93-kilo class. You just mentioned him. And again, Gavin is a fantastic lifter. He is young. He is primed. It looks like he is building a ton of positive momentum. But Dennis is the man. He is the man. He is the best 120 kilo lifter I've ever seen, possibly of all time. I think uh, he's one of the more, he, I, I would say he's one of the more underrated lifters because he's not thrown in these like best lifter in the USAPL conversations a lot because he's quite low key. He doesn't really, he does, he's not really on Instagram as much as the other guys. Um, a bad matchup for Gavin because Dennis is one of the one of the best lifters on this list and on this bracket simply due to accolades and past performances. Yeah, I mean we were just talk, we talked about Gavin a bunch in the sense of when we talked about Keiko and we talked about Borker and we talked about Chance. Gavin could I'm going to give him a ceiling of second. I think that's something would have to go wrong in the sense of Connor for Gavin to pass him up. I think based on kind of what I've seen. He definitely has a ceiling of third. He, he is a young guy. I mean, the battle between 
him, Keiko, and Connor um, moving forward in the future is going to be awesome. But Dennis, you, you already said it. Like he is underrated. I think it's just because he's not he's not a boisterous personality. He's not out there as much. But I mean, like, let's not even go IPF or USAPL. Let's go to the fact that he literally tied Larry Wheels when they went head to head. Yeah, he tied Larry Wheels. Yeah, no one else on this list has gone head to head with Larry Wheels and tied them. Yeah, yeah, against the guy who's not USAPL or IPF approved. Yeah, Dennis. We'll have to see. Um, I mean, I don't think we've seen him at full capacity in USAPL since he came back. Um, and especially since he went back to uh, 264. Because when he came, he had, he had gained a bunch of weight when he went to the untested side. Because he competed, I think, at, I forget what weight class they have. Um, but he gained weight. So I think he was cutting down to 275. Um and so he came back and he competed at 292 in 2018. And then he had to cut down back to 264. And I think it kind of zapped him of some strength. And he's been kind of building back since then. And we haven't seen him compete since Raw Nationals. So the, the only thing I can assume is we're going to see old, old school Dennis Cornelius come back, see if he very well will see if he can put up a 2200 total at 120, which would be insane. And again, like he, he could very well be in the question. If he puts up a 2200 total, which is very possible, that that should be in the question of best overall lifter in the USAPL. Yeah, and there was the debates on that in 2019 because like the total was just so massive, and he was he was totaling close to what the super heavies were totaling. Um, I actually think he would have if he was a super heavy, he would have got second to to Ray Williams. So he's one of those lifters who I, in my opinion, I know it's a phrase that's overused in all of sports actually is goat. Uh, everyone's a goat, but he's actually, in my opinion, one of the greatest lifters of all time, uh, especially in the drug free division. Now, let me ask you this because one twenties are Dennis doesn't uh, seem to get as much publicity because he's not as active on social media or doing the whole, you know, uh, USAPL kind of Instagram thing or social media thing. Do you also think the contribution is the lack of competition in 120? Oh, hundred percent. I definitely think so. I mean, there's, you, you've got a couple guys there, Tristan Nasal, Rob, Blake Atwell, and Jared Martin. They're strong and they're kind of, they're kind of grouped up to where that's a fun little battle. But Dennis is just, it, it's kind of like, Ray when before Jesus came around. I mean, Ray, it was it was so fun to watch Ray, but it wasn't really a competition. It was just like, will Ray beat Ray's old numbers? And so I think kind of reason Dennis doesn't get as much in the limelight is because like there, there's not really much competition for him. I think the only time he had really competition was some when he's at IPF Worlds. There's sometimes there's some hundred, I forget the uh Mohammed Boafia was kind of competing against him. But within the USAPL, Dennis has never really been pushed from what i know so it, it for lack of a better word it kind of makes the 120 class kind of boring because there we, we love competition i mean if anyone watches this podcast we love competition not just individual performances but like people truly competing and dennis has never really had to compete head-to-head against anyone in the sense of the 120s so that is kind of unfortunate it would be super cool to see him like really go head-to-head with someone um, but that still doesn't take away from the crazy craziness of what he does. Because if, if he if he moved up to the heavyweight class, he would be going for a podium spot. Yeah, and well, the interesting the reason why I bought this up is because Isaac Whistler DM'd me this, and he's an also one twenty kilo lifter. He was telling me, and it's actually a very interesting uh, conversation. He's like, okay, I know Dennis is the goat, but 
when you look at the battle of who's going to podium, it's like literally nine for nine through two can possibly podium into one twenties. Like it's mm-hmm. Dennis Cornelius, and then this massive fight between a bunch of lifters who is going to get two and three, and it could be anywhere from like you might get two or you might get eighth that day. The only thing I'll say, I'm going to kind of bring Dennis down a bit because if if I, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to progress back to some older strength levels, he his best total at two sixty five. You no, know, actually at two sixty five. He's gone up and down sometimes. 265, it was 2157. That's impressive. But Ashton's getting close to that. Yeah. That makes, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of taking away from Dennis, but if Ashton goes and totals 2100 and Dennis just totals 2100 because he totaled 2087 at Raw Nationals, 2087, if he does that again, that's probably not winning the 105 class. Hmm. Yeah. So that's something we'll talk about later on as we get into other matchups. I, this matchup, I for sure, I, I'm voting Dennis. But as we get into later matchups, that's definitely something to think about. Like, he, if he doesn't improve upon that and get back to like 2150 or maybe push to 2200, if he's just around 2100, he's impressive for 120. But like, 105s are doing that. Yeah, and I just think that it could be just uh, an element of getting pushed. You know, like. If you don't need to total something, then I guess the motivation to actually total something crazy isn't exactly there. And there, yeah. there aren't. I mean, I there's not a there's not really a 120 I could think of in the USAPL who's even close to what Dennis is doing. So, yeah, I I I, I just thought it would be interesting to bring up the massive. It could be a hilarious Royal Rumble of lifters from two to nine trying to get a podium spot. Whereas we're talking about eighty threes, like. There's four to five lifters competing for third. There's like nine lifters possibly competing for second at 120. You can get like the, the craziest matchups of all time uh, at 2021 Raw National. So I guess I'm looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, for this case, I think it's a clean sweep. Dennis is moving on to the next round. Uh, you know, you're talking about one of the best lifters in the sports history um, against a guy who I think can definitely make his label in the 93 KG division. Um Definitely coming onto the scene, looking great, determined to. He's very determined to get that spot uh, away from Connor, Keiko, uh, and the other 93s. So yeah, very much so. And yeah, I'm excited to see. I'm, ex- I'm actually one of the guys I'm looking forward to compete the most is Gavin because uh, you could see the future of the sport kind of unfolding and possibly a guy who can jump into positions that are assumed to be reserved for other people. You can get some upsets if you look at Gap. Uh, Dennis, moving on to the next round. All right, now we got Cayman Battle versus Ray Williams. This was a 7 versus 10 matchup. And I'm sorry, Cayman. This is, you do not deserve this. You are a fantastic lifter. You are incredible in the 105 KG division. You get a 7 seed, which is actually a very good seed. We are very sorry to put you up against a 10th seeded Ray Williams. Good lift points are to blame on this one because you Ray Williams is arguably the one of the most prestigious lifters in the sports history. He is the face of the USAPL. He has been the face of the USAPL ever since 
I got into powerlifting in like 2014 and he hasn't took a step. I mean, he has taken steps back, but his steps back are still national championship wins. So his step back is just not winning worlds. And in this case came in battle and like some arguments can be made, but you're, you're talking about the defending super heavyweight champion and from there just constantly winning the super heavyweights. Yeah, I mean, it's just Ray is not a tenth seed. This, it, it's, it's. I, I, we didn't want to put any opinions into the initial ranking, so Goodlift's score was just the best way to be objective. And just because of that, Ray is very underrated. He should be a one to a three seed. Um, now, obviously, Ray hasn't been Ray lately. Um, it looks like his training has gotten better. Um, I'm not sure. We never really get a ton from his training because he, he doesn't really post, especially on bench and deadlift. He doesn't post much and even squat. He never tells you what the weight is. You have to go do the math on your little bar calc thing and try and figure out what's on the bar. And do you really want to know? So my assumption is we're going to see Ray better than he has been. I don't know if we're going to get peak Ray. I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to get 2456 Ray. But I think we're going to get 2,300 plus Ray again. I think we're going to get Ray in the sense of being he is going to, it, barring until he gets the throne, he's going to be the favorite as the 120 plus. Um, he's still very much arguably the face of the USAPL. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, what's going to be, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. What's going to be more interesting is next round's battle when Ray against, goes against Angelo Fortino. <laughs> Yeah, I can't can't wait to see that. I actually, yeah, you know, I think I could do pretty well on that one. But no. yeah, um, but yeah, Cayman, he obviously really raised some eyebrows last year when he jumped on the scene. I mean, he's been a good lifter, but when he put that eight ninety kilo total, he really put himself into the thick of that one hundred five battle. Um, we'll have to see how he progresses, but I mean, I think Mikey Davis just did nine fifteen. Um, and obviously Mikey now may be hurt. So let's say 915 is a good number for Mikey going in the nationals. Cayman, we haven't seen. I could see 915 being plausible with progression. So Cayman, I I mean he could he could be a dark horse to possibly sneak in the third. Most likely, I think we're looking at a fourth place finish for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and possibly batting a little bit with Joseph Amendola and David Wilson. But I, I could see him possibly sneaking into that third place based off of if something happens with either Mikey, Bryce, or Ashton that just doesn't go well. Um, because if one of them just doesn't have a good meet, Cayman's going to be right there nipping at their heels. Yeah, I agree. I think the one of the biggest dark horses of this bracket is Cayman Battle. Um, you are looking at a guy who can put a total together who could possibly get him a podium position in an ultra-competitive, top-heavy 105 class. When you're on that level of top one through five in that super top heavy class, um, you deserve some recognition. And I'm, yeah, I'm curious to see what he does at Raw Nationals. Again, if you have a different seating for Cayman, he probably ends up winning. But Ray Williams, uh, I it wouldn't even, even if Ray Williams bombed in his last two competitions, I would have a hard time voting against Ray Williams. It's just like, I we, we said it last episode. It's like Duke got hurt. They lost all their all their star players, their number one recruits. But then towards April and the conference championship week, they got them all back. It was like, okay, you're a ten seed, Duke. Like, well, all right, they just got all their NBA starters back, so they could possibly take a run in national championship. That's what it is for Ray. 
as well as here's something big for Ray too. He's a strength and conditioning. He's a football coach. Yeah. Not a strength and conditioning. He's a football coach. He notoriously doesn't do well at nationals because it's in the middle of a season. Literally, sometimes he has to fly in the day before and like barely gets any sleep and compete. So he's never, ever done well at nationals. That's not his meat. He's always peaked best at the Arnold usually in the Worlds. It's going to serve Ray very well that this is in the summer. Mm, very good point. I did not think about that. So that that is a big thing with this, is that actually bumps Ray up. If this was in October, there's there's a big question mark there because he's just never, ever done his best meets at Nationals for that yeah. reason. And I think everyone wants to see peak Ray. Jesus even wants to see peak Ray. Everyone wants yeah. to see peak I, Ray. I, think, I mean, I would very much assume Jesus wants to beat peak Ray. He doesn't want to beat... Ray not at his best. Yeah, he, want, he wants. To, I mean, just like I said, like we want to see Jesus beat the best of Ray, so that he can truly take the crown if he does. Yeah, the entirety of the USAPL wants to see Ray Williams back at twenty four hundred total uh, conditioning. So um, Ray Williams, I think, unless you have something different to say, moves on to the next round because I know he's got my vote. Yep. All right. Ray takes it. No. We have number two, Austin Perkins, versus number 15, the host of the show, and I got negged by my own goddamn podcast, Angelo Fortino. This is Ohio State versus Oral Roberts. Yeah. There yeah. could be an upset. I don't think they're... get biased and just piss off Austin here and both vote Angelo. I think... I think the jig is up at this point because now I think Austin Perkins is in on the joke and it no longer makes it fun for me to do this. I only like it when people are legitimately agitated at me and annoyed because I'm being a prick. And from me being a prick, I have felt the full effect of karma. Constantly making fun of Austin Perkins on the show, saying ironically that he's overlooked underrated i bought up i think four straight episodes me and ls spent about 10 to 15 minutes making fun of the hilariousness that is austin perkins believing he is underrated and overlooked and now i get matched up to him in the march madness brackets and i'm gonna be beaten by a literal child so that's good like, everyone's well, complaining that they're losing, like, Eric, like, oh, why'd you put me up against Ashton Rowska? And all these people complaining that they're matched up. I, I would rather lose to Ashton Rowska than a guy who just got his, is, is legally allowed to drink. I'm losing to a, a, a person in college. I'm, I'm a 28-year-old man. It's, 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 not, it's not as good. It's not as good of a loss. And the fact is, you're underrated at 15, especially with the progress you've had. I mean, you're competing next weekend. We might see some something big from you. I don't know kind of your whole plans there, if you're going to go all out or whatnot, but, like, you're underrated at 15. Yeah, I but mean. It's Austin, but it's Austin Perkins. Yes, Austin. I mean, this actually wasn't the worst thing ever because, like you said, if anyone wants to say, oh, this is the popularity contest, oh, this is rigged. Well, we literally have you against Austin in the first round and everyone already know the outcome of that before they even need, need to vote. I mean, Austin's obviously taking the cake here. Austin. Yeah. Also really quick, big shout out for everyone who voted for me. You guys, you guys are the real ones. Big shout out to everyone. You guys are the best. 25% of you. <laughs> I, I lost, 
I lost by, yeah, I lost by a considerable margin. So three-fourths of the people who voted voted for Austin Perkins, which I was happy to see to an extent. He definitely deserves it. And I'm technically, technically speaking, the more popular lifter, have more Instagram followers, have the podcast, more in the sense of a media thing. But people recognize that Austin is legit. He is one of the best 74 kg lifters out there. He, I think, his... I when you talk floors and ceilings, his ceiling is number one and his floor is number two. I yeah. I really don't see Michael C surpassing Perkins. Yeah, I mean, if he beats Taylor, he has a very 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 strong claim to best slipper in the USAPL. I mean, it would be the one of the most impressive things in the sport's short raw powerlifting history. A twenty-one. Yeah, because we're not going to really debate as much you versus Perk. We know Perk's taking this. Well, be- let's debate maybe a little, but continue. Perk beats Atwood. Jesus beats Ray. Which is more impressive? I say, in that's a very good question. All right. So, is this Ray going nine for nine and Jesus pulling for the win? And same thing with. Atwood and Perkins, yeah. them going nine for nine. They're both at their best. Whew. I would, I would say Jesus. I gotta I give, I gotta give the super heavyweights love. I gotta give the guys who lift the most weight the most love. I'm with you there, it, but it, Ray would have to be at his best. Yes, if he's not at his, if he's not at his best, and Jesus beats him, Perk beating Atwood's more impressive. Assuming Atwood's at his best because he has been. But but yeah. all right. Well, then, his best, Jesus is more impressive. But then here's my here, here's uh, my counter. Say if it's just a regular competition where both guys aren't going nine for nine, they're jostling on position. Say if Perkins totals something like eight seventeen, and Atwood matches his best best meet total of eight twelve, and Perkins was able to move out in front, then I would have to give the nod to Perkins because Perkins is this this territory of. Totaling 800 kilos at 74 was something that a lot of people thought wasn't a very realistic goal within the year for any one of those guys. Atwood, Perk, C, and Pug. People thought that in general wasn't a realistic goal. Atwood destroyed it by going 12 kilos over and Perk matched that. Now, if they could push the bar further... You are looking at some ridiculous totals, and the very fact that he's 21 years old doing this, I think that would that to me would surpass him as the best lifter in the USA, or that would cement him as the best lifter in the USAPL. Minus maybe Ash might have something to say about it, but I think something like that, where the totals are still incredible, where those are the all-time record totals, and. Ray, if he doesn't perform to his standards and Jesus beats him, we're not, like what you said, we're not talking about an all-time world record total. Yep. And to think about it, Perkins at 21, or 20, I guess, or 20 or 21, hit 800 kilos at 74. That is what won the 93, I think that's what Lane Norton hit on the dot. He had 800 kilos to win 2016 Nationals, I believe it was. Yeah. And now we're talking about a 21-year-old 74 hitting 800 kilos. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, Perk's amazing. Um, For you, let's hype you up a bit. 
if you had known that you needed to be better on rankings and need to get third in the hometown showdown, you maybe don't go 350 kilos or 350.5 at the Midwest showdown and you take a different number. You probably what seven ninety or it was it going to be seven eighty seven ish? I think maybe. I think seven ninety. If I mean, it depends on what the, the number I show. There's no guarantee I would have hit three forty seven at Midwest Prime Time, right? Yeah. So well, I can only assume I would hit three forty. That would put me at like seven eighty five or whatever, or seven eighty seven. Yeah, yeah seven eighty five, seven eighty seven. But even in that case, though, I think I would be. As far as seeding goes, and by the way, initially, I completely forgot that I might be on this list. So being on the list was fantastic. Being ranked was fantastic. When he told when you told me you're going to hate me for your ranking, I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot. I'm competing at Raw Nationals. I have to talk about this, and I'm possibly one of the 32 best males. Um, I didn't think I was going to get rated, but I thought myself as, like, 14 through 16. And then I think if I would have totaled 787, 12. 13 so it's not that much higher so i'm um, but if we if this was if you could have somehow made it out of the first round this could have been possibly a bit more interesting starting next week because i am assuming you're going over 800 probably uh, we are hoping to hit 800 i mean your squat's gonna go up at least 10 kilos if not more your deadlift is gonna go up it's been amazing so I'm going to guess that's going to go up 10 kilos. So I'm going to guess if you could have hit 785, you're going to add 20 kilos, so 805. Next meet in on Saturday, we're hoping to hit one, hoping to a PR total, whatever on the platform there. But I wouldn't expect anything over 800. Yeah. We're, we might be taking a Sean Noriega, you know, like, you know, some, some left yeah. in a tank type of meat. Oh. But even with that, I am totaling the same thing at a 74, an undersized 74, <laughs> uh, what he did. So it's like, even with that, even if I do total something awesome, it's like, yeah, you're not good as perk still. Maybe I would have been jumped up on the ratings a little bit. I obviously would have surpassed, with an 800 kilo total, something above that, I would have surpassed Delaney, Jamar, Ed. Um, but that's just, you know, not the you case. You have national refs at your meet? I don't know. I got to check. I'm I'm going fingers crossed you don't. See yeah, I know. I, I I actually didn't realize that because I was I was assuming at this point like the national refs thing wouldn't be as prevalent as it was. But if there are, yeah, I'm, I'm apologizing to you and Sean Oregon now. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I could see you very well come Raw Nats time, eight ten, maybe eight twenty. Again, it's gonna you're gonna be right in the battle for that third place with Delaney, Ed Taylor, John Gruden, Jamar Royster, Jimmy Villanueva. I think David Shelton and David Chan are kind of like that, and Josh Broussard, and maybe even Aiden Rader. They're kind of oh like, yeah, I like, forgot oh, about yeah. Josh Broussard. He's a yeah. he's a he's a great young. I'm not sure they're there. gonna compete with that tier. I think it's you, Jimmy, Marge. Most fun battles because legitimately, I mean, you have. Jimmy at 775, Edward at 790. 15 kilos separates six guys. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I already said it. I put a lot of uh, I put a lot into having the last pull. In that battle, you're going to have the last pull. Yeah. Yeah. And again, though, with every circumstance we see, uh, Perk is moving on to next round. He gets my vote. Um, does he get your vote? I'm voting for you just to say you get one vote and you uh, feel uh, good about yourself. Awesome. Thank you. I'm actually going to put down the story now against 
just just so Perk gets pissed off. Maybe this will actually reignite me pissing him off. And the fans voted for Perk as well, so he is moving on. And, you'll take, you'll, and like per normal, you'll take the heat for my vote. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm going to. Well, I mean, I control the Two White Lights Instagram page, and I, yes. I always have to take the grunt of any sort of angry DMs we get, um, you know, male and females alike. So that will do it for the Leflar Bros region. Now on to the women's region with the project strength. We have number one seed, Heather Connor, first number 16, Caitlin Barry. Now, Heather Connor is a number one seed, and I think she has a legitimate, legitimate chance to being the best overall lifter, or best overall female lifter when nationals rolls around because she's always been amazing on any formula use just head and shoulders above all the other 47 kilo lifters but now if you guys seen her training footage her deadlift has progressed exponentially she just paused 430 and made it look clean it was a good good lift and she deadlifted i think 440 with a stiff bar 440 with a deadlift bar. She just slapped on 40 pounds to an already impressive deadlift. And just as a number one seed, I think you're looking at a potential winner of this bracket. And Caitlin Berry gets a 16 seed, but it's incredible due to her age and her progression in the sport because I think when when it's all said and done, she might be the... Uh, the heir apparent or the person who's going to take over that division. Caitlin is the Austin Perkins of the women's side. Yeah. Just, she's only 18 though. Or when she is is 21, I think we're going to be talking about her as Austin Perkins. We are right now. Because she is totaling nine fourteen in the, at 123 pounds. And that was at 17 years old. That was last year. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's Austin Perkins circa 2018, where, yeah. <laughs> where Austin Perkins was actually overlooked and underrated. She is, okay, there's some other 18-year-olds in here, but I mean, she's, actually, that's male. She's the youngest female at Raw National. She's the only team, and yeah, I mean, she's legitimately competitive. Like, she's only 15 kilos off of Christina Lazo and Allison Weinberg. Mm-hmm. Um, and the assumption will be Caitlin's going to progress fast being young. So she's um, shout out to her too, for being very excited just to be on the list. We love that. Cause I mean, I, we want to give her the credit she deserves because she is unbelievably strong. And if you don't know who she is now, you're going to know who she is. But like we've already said for a couple other lifters, sometimes you just get matched up against an unbeatable force. And that unbeatable force is Heather Connor. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm very excited to see her just within her future in the sport. I mean, 18, she's got still a whole four years within collegiate left where you can make tons of progress, um, especially going to Midland University. So, you know, they they produce champions over there. Um, I'm excited what she does in the future, and actually this is the best, I think this is the best 16 seed that we get because it's it's not like, uh, I mean, I would use myself at 15 seed. It's not like you're a 28-year-old dude who has been training for a long ass time for, you know, competing for four years and you get a 15th seed. It's like, 
She has got her feet wet in powerlifting, and already it's like you're you're one of the 32 best females at Raw Nationals. So that's something to be very proud of, even if it is a 16 seed. And yeah, accordingly, we would have Heather Connor moving on the next round. And I actually, um, I'm I'm curious to see how the voting is going to come out for once we get into like the final fours with Heather Connor because. Uh, I think uh, I think a lot of case can be made. She's actually the best overall lifter uh, on the female side. All right, next one we have Dana McNeil versus Chrissy Paraki. Interesting, interesting battle here. Simply due to I think a lot of people would assume Chrissy Paraki is a runaway favorite. She is defending national champion in her weight class. Unfortunately, she seems to. I mean, it's that's not seemingly. She has had knee surgery, and that's definitely going to affect her going to Raw Nationals. And knee surgery is not like a strained adductor, even a torn adductor. It's the rehab for that is long, and when you have a competition where you're hoping to defend your national champion in 13 weeks, it's it's going to be a long, long journey for her to get back to where she wants to be. And I don't think 13 a week is going to be enough. Now, seems like working her ass off, one of the hardest workers in the sport, to get to that point again. But I don't know. Whenever I see someone with a knee injury and you know not being able to squat right now, not being able to bench, deadlift right now, bench properly and deadlift properly, um, it's going to be a long, long journey for getting to Raw Nationals. So that might yeah. open the door for Dana McNeil, which I don't think a lot of people – one, no, but two would have her beating Chrissy. Yeah. So this kind of, I mean, this kind of goes back to the same thing we had with Charlie Dixon. So this one's actually probably even more extreme because this is, she, I mean, she's currently benching with a knee brace on. Yeah. Um, it's pretty significant. Um, I'm not sure if she, uh, if the plan is at Raw Nationals that she thinks your plans to be back at full strength. Um, that would be, pretty amazing if she was Mm -hmm. but i think our assumption is she won't quite be where she was prior when she was the national champion um and so that's kind of the issue we rise into so dana um very strong i will say the one question mark here with her is the fact that so she used to be an 84 she weighed in at 81.6 kilos and she totaled 537.5 that that put her right now as the second best nominated female at the 76th division because she's going down to 76 she has actually competed at 76, though. She just competed February 27th. She weighs now 74.8 kilos, but she totaled 505, so 32.5 kilos less. Mm-hmm. So I'm bringing that up because, one, that, that works in the debate with Christina because it's recency of seeing Dana actually at 76. But that's also interesting for a lot of these 76 lifters who are going to have to be cutting down five kilos or so of body weight from where they used to lift and kind of how that's going to affect things versus we have other lifters like Jasmine Penn and Chloe Dublin gaining weight and moving up. So it's going to be very interesting in the kind of shakeup that happens in 76. So, um, so obviously Dana, maybe she was just doing this for a qualifying total to again, just do another meet. Um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe she went nine for nine. So I don't know if she was topping out her, her top end strength or anything on this. I'm not, I'm not really sure on that front. Um, but let's just take that five Oh five kilo total versus Christina. The issue here still goes back to who is going to be the best lifter at 2021 Raw Nationals. Um, if Christina was healthy 
and she was the Christina that won the national championship 2019 and just didn't have to have knee surgery. My vote's probably going to Christina. Yeah. Um, but with the issue that I'm, I mean, I believe Christina just progressed to kind of like barbell squats with just the bar. It doesn't seem that she's going to be completely back to herself by raw nationals. So therefore for that reason, I'm going to go with Dana and Dana's very, very strong. Like I said, she is, uh, she is going in as the second nominated female at the 76 kilo division. But again, if we were looking at kind of like top end, if Christina was fully healthy, we'd be looking at her ceiling is possibly first place. Dana's ceiling would be second place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would have to agree with you there. And, you know, if Chris, if, if Christina can actually just put together a total, a respectable total at raw nationals, it would be amazing because I mean, I don't even, I, I honestly can't imagine it. Like I'm, I'm panicking myself cause I compete on Saturday and I have to jump right into prep for raw nationals. Hers is going to be a more extreme case. So if he can go in and total something good at raw nationals, that'll be amazing simply because coming back from knee surgery is a very hard thing to do. And especially on short notice like that as well. So I, and, and I agree with you with Dana's case you an extremely strong lifter a very good lifter and based on just the injury circumstance and where they're both going to place you would have to go Dana in this circumstance 100% Chris, uh, Chrissy Paraki I would probably have her winning this one but fans vote had Chrissy Paraki my vote is for Dana um, excited to see her compete one of those lifters that we were talking about as far as it's like not like the males on the side of the bracket we don't really know much about her and we have to see what she's actually capable of um, as, you know, we get more into Raw Nationals and when we actually see people's progress. And that was a lifter that I was very happy that I found. Cause I'm like, all right, one of the strongest females in the sport, and I didn't know about her. Yep. That's, that's a good I thing. Actually, I get to actually see these lifters now. I knew about her mainly because I think it was 2019 Arnold. I was at beyond limits and she was squatting next to me and Patrick and she was crazy strong. And I was like, who is she? She's insanely strong. So I went and looked her up. I think she actually totaled like 542 that day or something. Mm-hmm. She crushed it. So. Yeah. All right. It looks like we got two votes. I don't think she's a big social media person. So she doesn't get her, her name yeah, out get, there and get much kind of due diligence as she should. Again, not like the males on the bracket. Like they, they're, yes, they are exactly. very social media, you know, prevalent. So we have two votes for Dana. Uh, moving on to the next round. Now we have the matchup between Brittany Saplicki and no, yeah, yeah. Brittany Saplicki and Allie Weinberg. So, so this one was pretty darn close in the fan voting. I think it went back and forth for a while. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's legitimate. Now, Brittany does have a noticeably higher QT total. She is coming in nominated at 460. Allison's nominated at 432. The difference there, though, is Brittany competed in December of last year. Allison's total is from January of last year, and she seemingly made some really good progress from there. I did go do some calculations because Allison does post, um, so we can kind of get a little bit better idea. Allison, um, if you took, I believe, the PR she's hit in the gym, it gave her 455. Mm-hmm. And Brittany, in a meet, has hit 460. Um, Brittany was second place at 2019 Raw Nationals, and she's, her training seemed to be going really well. So 
this battle is very close, but it's one of those ones that while it's close, since it is a battle of the same weight class, it really comes down to who's just put up the best total. And because of that, my vote's going to Brittany. But I will say Allison is looking very strong going into this. She's looking at, I mean, she could win. I mean, Megan Scanlon is nominated at 471, but Meg Scanlon just had a child. I I don't know if her training has been what it was when she hit that 471 back in 2019 at Worlds. So Allison, Brittany, they legitimately have a ceiling of first place. Yeah. They legitimately both could win the 57 kilo class. Um, and I'm, I'm going to say, I just from the training I've seen, or the lack of training I've seen as well on Megan Scanlon's side, I think Brittany's probably my favorite going into nationals. I, I'm just, I'm not sure Megan Scanlon's back at full strength. I might be wrong on that, but I, I haven't seen anything that would say she is. Um, I hope she is. But I would say Brittany Sublicki is my favorite. But Allison is going to be right up with that. Because, again, Christina was nominated third for Rocky. But she's not looking back at full strength yet. So, yeah. I mean, Allison and Brittany is a very close battle. But my vote's going to go to Brittany until I see Allison beat her on the platform. Yeah, and I, I guess it's just her youth being to her detriment on this one. Because we just don't have a lot of competitions to see from her. But based on potential, Ellie Weinberg's ridiculously good. I, I I got a lot of her this year, and I immediately was like, those numbers have to be top three, or those numbers have to be top five. And followed more, seeing some progress in the gym, seeing some really good stuff from her. This one was extremely close. This one was probably, I think, the equivalent to uh, Chance Mitchell and Charlie Dixon, but in the sense that they're two great competitors who are active mm-hmm. as opposed to Charlie Dixon not being active and Chance Mitchell being active. These two girls are extremely active and they're very, very good. They're extremely talented. Um, I, and with Brittany Saplicki on this too, if you look at the fans voting, it was, it was actually equivalent to Chance and Charlie. It was 51% for Brittany and 49% for Ellie. And it was judged by, I think, um, I think 13 votes or 14 votes. So very close in that sense. I, for me, I don't know if it's unfair to give Brittany Saplicki the nod here simply because of what she's done recently. Um, she, I believe won the Arnold on the female side, correct? Uh, I'm not sure on that. I don't yeah, know. She we did. would have to check that. I believe she won at least her, I think the pro American or the raw. Um, yeah. I think the pro American she won. Yeah. she did. I think she did. Yeah. So she won the pro American. You won a big time meet. You make progress from there. She was fifth on the power rankings for two white lights, but you see the potential Ellie Weinberg has, and there's no real reason for me to be like, yeah, Ellie's not going to beat Brittany or Ellie's not going to beat this lifter. So it's, it's it's a hard choice for me. It's it, it's it's. I mean, I guess that's why you do the bracket. It's opinionated, and it's always based on what has. I mean, it comes down to then accolades and not really anyone's potential. And on in that case, I would have to go with Brittany just based on past accolades. Yeah, and I think it's something with Brittany too. I actually her her current meets that her her. her 
she did winter record and she was definitely not happy with that. So then she turned around and competed like three weeks later. I don't think she necessarily like tried to like peak for it. Cause it was like a three week later thing. So I think her top end is even higher than that 360. So, you know, I might've just uh, talked myself into Ellie. 460. 460. What do you say? I might've just talked myself into Ellie. <laughs> Just based on, I mean, based on what we said previously about other competitors, right? Where we, where I decided, you know, where we decided to vote maybe the other side of things, where we disagreed. I just, I could see a big me coming from Ellie. I could really see it. Oh, I see it too. I mean, she's definitely going to blow 432.5 out of the water. But like I said, if I took her, I think as a couple weeks back, I looked at her like best lifts in the gym from like the past month. They totaled 455. And Brittany's done 460 on the platform. All right, we got till June. So the fans vote Brittany. Seems like your vote is for Brittany. I guess I'll have to play devil's advocate here, or not necessarily playing devil's advocate. I think I would have to go Allie. All right. Just, uh, you know, yeah, because... Like I said, this is a close one. I'd see, I can see either of them possibly having a shot at winning Raw Nationals. Yeah, and I, I guess it's just me giving love to the potential here. So I think I think they got they they've gotten the shaft. So some of the young lifters here, it's like, well, this lifter has done this in the past. Same thing with Gavin. I mean, granted, he's going against a different opponent. You know, we he has so much potential there that when we're kind of that's almost to that's that's almost a flaw in this sense in this uh, bracket thing. But uh, we would have Brittany moving on because that would be two to one in favor of Brittany. And now we got Megan Scatlin and Leah Goldring, which. A recent, recent development on this one. Thank God they were recording this or after her meet for Leah Goldring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she just, I don't know what her plan is at Raw Nationals, but she just, she's registered at 52 kilos. She just competed at 47 kilos, set the American bench record, and totaled 375.5, which if we add that in and she's doing 47 at Nationals, that makes her nominated second behind Heather Connor, just above Demetria Thayton. And Leah, I think she was one of the few people to like comment on the post. She kind of like, I, she, she kind of kind of alluded to like, it was an honor to be against Megan, but like she's voting for Megan. I don't think this is as far off as people would think. I mean, Megan, we don't know where she's at right now. Because of that, I'm going to have to assume. I, I can't assume she's not doing good, but I also can't assume she's back to full strength and going to hit all-time PRs. I think she's going to definitely have a battle on her hands at 57 kilo, but with that, I am going to assume she's going to be in the hunt to get first. Yeah. Leah, if she's at 47, she... Her ceiling is going to be second, and her floor is probably going to be third. But that's still very respectable. Now, at 52, I think she's more around ceiling of fourth place, maybe. So she definitely kind of ups her, her stake if she's competing at 47. Um, and that kind of made this a bit more interesting. And I like there could be an argument if we knew a bit more about Megan and if training wasn't going well and we knew that that Leah could possibly get the vote here based off of if she's going to 47. Mm -hmm. But with that and all the information, since I can't assume Megan's training isn't going well, I'm going to, I'm going to assume she's a world. Uh, I shouldn't say world champion, national champion, second place at worlds. Um, 
She's an experienced competitor. I, I figure she's going to come back fairly strong. Um, she's going to be competitive and fight and battle for that first place. So because of that, my vote's going to go to Scanlon. Yeah, I, I guess with the recent development with her possibly going to 47 kg, and I'm trying to actually get some information on that right now if she is going to 47, uh, it, it makes it different. But also I think even with her, I think this was still a closer comp- uh, or it was still closer as far as matchups go as people uh, thought in the first place. I think based on what she's done in the gym, Leah Goldring, he's made great progress and – Again, a lot like other lifters, and I guess with me, I value that momentum that I see actually on it, within people's trainings when they actually do post it. I do value that in my decisions when making these uh, these matchups. Um, and recent development, Leah Goldring just messaged me back. She is competing at 47. <laughs> that go. is a breaking news. <laughs> that is first time ever breaking news in Two White Lights history. <laughs> Adam Schefter with the new report. Yes. Yes. I mean, what other podcast has it? So, she is 47. She is a 47 kilo lifter, and this helps her case. This does help her case. Now, Heather Connor is on another level. She's on another planet. She usually is in her weight class. Um, But I think you're looking at a second place a second place contender and you again you don't know what happens in the future but like what you said based on what we know megan scanlon can do it's hard it's just hard to vote against her it's the last time i checked she hadn't posted anything so the other thing that'd be interesting i wonder if she's still olympic weightlifting or she's going full in with powerlifting that's a that's actually yeah something i noticed yeah something I, i noticed with a lot of lifters is when they start getting into other things how does it affect their training? And that is something important that is not talked about a lot because I, I think, of course, you should, you know, dive in other uh, realms of fitness if you're in powerlifting. But if that starts taking precedent over your powerlifting, then in the sense of we're talking about who's going to do the best at Raw Nationals, that should be a factor in that is, you know, yeah. how serious are you taking powerlifting right now? So well, she definitely she definitely kind of plateaued after she got heavy into Olympic weightlifting and did super total, and we saw kind of like a slight little regression from her. So her best squat ever is four thirteen point three. She just high barred three thirty for five. So because of that, I'm going to assume her her strength levels are decently bad. So because of that, I, I think I gotta go. I mean, I'm still gonna go with Megan, even though we got the development of 47 kilo, and that definitely makes it interesting. But it, it looks like Megan's training is going well. She's not posting too much Olympic weightlifting. Uh, well, I guess she did parts on Mark Mark Six. She's doing some, so she's still still doing a little bit super total stuff. But it looks like she's getting back to it. So I'm I'm gonna have to go there because that still kind of puts me in the realm of she's got to be in the contention for the first spot. Yeah, yeah. I think no matter how you really shake it, Leah is not gonna be in contention for gold. Uh, for a first spot, but that 47 kilo weight class just got more interesting with another competitor in there. So that's really awesome to see. I would have to agree with you. I would have to go Megan on this one, giving her a clean sweep. And on to our next one, we have, I think the battle of the underrated lifters. We have Andrea Riley and Gabrielle Phelps. Yeah. Gabrielle or uh, Andrea Riley. She's someone who legitimately could win 
the 52 kilo class. She's only nominated five kilos less than Marissa Enda. We haven't seen Marissa compete in a while. We just saw Andrea compete in December. She is very much in the discussion to win that class. Now, looking at Gabrielle, um, very strong lifter. Um, she's a bit undersized in comparison. She's an 84 plus, but she's kind of someone, if there was a 90 kilo division, she'd benefit greatly because that's about right where she is. So she's a bit undersized. And so because of that, she's nominated fifth, um, but she's, she's a little bit of a step down kind of looking at Bonica, Amanda Martin, and Sarah Brenner. She's very, very strong, but if there was a 90 kilo class, we'd be looking at Gabrielle Phelps as a heavy favorite to possibly be top one or two in that class. Um, but she just kind of suffers from the fact that that 84 84 plus class is so big in discrepancy, um, since it allows unlimited weight, um, that there are just some really, really strong women in that class. Um, and she's not going to quite compete for that overall spot. Like Andrea is at the 52 kilo division. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. And that's, um, I, I guess that's, an interesting thing when you think about 84s or 84 plus is that you can have an undersized one who's ridiculously strong, but when you're compared to the other lifters in that, it's just, it, it, it's, it's going to be a extremely hard journey to top, especially the two people at the top that who, who are, who they are. You have uh, Sarah Brenner and uh, Bonica Brown up there. Like that's going to be extremely difficult, but a terrific lifter is uh, Gabrielle Phelps and a very strong lifter. I wonder if there's ever going to be a weight change for her if she decides again that's something else because you're in a t- like that's such a bad position to be in that 76 to 84 range. It just it's brutal. It's it's a hard uh, that gap is still difficult. She weighs in at 205, so I think I don't know if she'd be able to go down. She looks like. I'm making assumptions here. She looks like a taller lifter. Um, so that just seems like a fairly natural body weight for her. So I think it might be a little bit tough for her to come down and she yeah. might lose some strength. So that's just kind of the ones, I mean, like Alex, do you remember Alex Donald? No. Alex Donald was an 84 kilo lifter and she eventually left for USPA for the reason that like she literally shaved her head at 2019 nationals to make weight. Jeez. She shaved, she shaved it. She cut her hair to make Jeez. weight. Because she should eighty four was just not a good class for her, but she couldn't be ultra competitive eighty four plus because she was that wasn't it, there just wasn't a weight class for her. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think they're ever going to make a ninety kilo division because I don't think there's just enough lifters to warrant it, um, like there was for the split of seventy six um, and the sixty nine. Um, but yeah, Gabrielle is very very strong, um, but just kind of suffers a little bit from kind of the weight class discrepancy. Yeah, but then if we discuss the other side of this, Andrea Riley, we bought, I don't know if you brought this up last episode, but a potential upset winner of 57 kilos. 52 kilo. Oh, 52 yes. kilo, my mistake. Yes. Yeah, I mean, she's, I don't even know if it's that much of an upset at this point. I mean, we haven't seen Marissa compete. Marissa's kind of put up pretty similar totals over the last three or four times she's competed. She hasn't seemed to progress or have another bump in training, and maybe she will after this time off and some, some good time to kind of develop. Um, but Andrea will for sure challenge Marissa in some manner for that title, um, which will be seemingly the first time I think Marissa's had kind of someone push her in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, she, Marissa's always had a little bit more competition at Worlds, but I don't know if she's had as much competition at, at Raw Nationals. 
No, he's definitely he definitely hasn't. He's been the queen of that division for a very long time. And this is another one of these great things that happens when we made these brackets. I did not I did not know much about Andrea before we did this bracket. I got to look at her training, I got to look at her past success, and I'm I'm like we have a potential person who can dethrone a lifter who's had a stranglehold on a division for a really long time and that's huge that's huge in the sport of powerlifting when you have someone new come into a division and take it and based on what i see it would not surprise me at all if he goes and yeah i mean she's someone that's gonna i think she's underrated at that six seed i think we're gonna um I don't know if she's going to be – I said Chandler Babb is the breakout performance of Raw Nationals, and I'm going to stand by that. But if there was a second place or a second person that I would say is on that list, I think it will be Andrea, Andrea Riley. Andrea, Andrea. I don't, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. But yeah, hopefully. I think she's definitely be in that question or that kind of Chandler Babb stage where a lot of people are going to know who she is after Raw Nationals. Yeah, hopefully we got the uh, the name pronunciation right there. But, yeah, I think uh, we have a potential big-time breakout star here um, and someone who's competing in a already cemented weight class, where Chandler Babb is interesting because he's competing in a weight class that's new, where Andrea, it's, it's, a, it's a weight class that has a lot of history, has a lot of high-level competitors, and she could be the queen of that weight class. Um, I think it's a clear vote for me, her moving on to the next round. Uh, the fans saw it that way as well. Um, and Steve Denobi, what yep. do you think? And Andrea Riley gets my vote as well. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see her compete. That's going to be a, a real good battle that I don't – I even think with this information that we're presenting, I don't think people are going to still realize it. I think they're going to get into Raw Nationals. They're going to watch him like, oh, Marissa is probably going to win. And then, they're gonna be, and then once – maybe if it does happen where Andrea Riley wins, they're going to be like, oh, my God, who is this person? Like, well, if you fucking listen to Two White Lights, you would know. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm already anticipating that happening. All right. Next we have Jennifer Thompson first Christina Lotso. And I'm for, I, for one, am just really excited to see Jen Thompson compete. Cause I have never seen her compete ever in my life. I've always missed her That's... and uh, she's a legend. She's regarded as one of the best lifters uh, in drug testing, uh, drug-free powerlifting history. Um, I obvious clear favorite going into this matchup with Christina Lazzo, and with Jen Thompson and Christina Lazzo, I am just curious to see where Jen Thompson's progression takes her because I feel like it's stalled for a little bit. Well, it stalled. She actually was, for her age, she was progressing still until 2018. Yeah. She hit her best ever total, 1103 in 2018. I'm not sure when she caught the injury bug, but she obviously, she just, she broke her hip and she had surgery. She's now come back and hit 1054, I believe it is. That's insane. Yeah. Her training seemingly going really well. Her bench continues to progress. I mean, she hit 478.5 at that meet where she had her comeback meet from the hip surgery um, or, or the broken hip. I, I believe she had surgery, but I might be wrong on that. I assume she's going to be back in the 490 kilo, which puts her in a battle again with Jennifer Milliken, most likely for second place. I think Sam Calhoun has kind of separated herself and she looks like the, the heavy favorite to win 63, but, but Jen's right back in the battle that she's going to be 
at her all-time best strength and be hitting that 490 kilo mark and be right with Jim Milliken. And I think that she's pretty much her ceiling is second, her floor is third. Like she's very much going to be back and forth with Jen Milliken there. Mm-hmm. Um, for uh, Christina, she's currently nominated fifth Yep. in the 57. Um, I don't think she's had her best meet on the platform. She's had some seemingly really good strength progress lately, especially on deadlift has looked really, really good. So I definitely think she could up that 430. But even with that, we already talked about Allison Weinberg and Brittany Suplicki probably both going 460-ish. I'm not sure Christina's right there. So it's Christina with the assumption that Christina Paracci won't be full strength, and that's going to then make Christina Lazo um, hop up in the rankings. I think Christina's ceiling is probably around third based off of if someone like Megan or Brittany or Allison doesn't have the best meet. Um, and her floor is probably fourth or fifth, depending on even Caitlin Barry or Mariah Bolden, which we're going to talk about um, Mariah in a bit here, if they have a big bump up. Um, so Christina, fantastic lifter, but she's going up against Jen Thompson. And Jen Thompson seemingly getting healthy again and is going to be looking at second place um, very much likely. So because of that, I'm giving Jen Thompson the nod. Yeah. Not even thinking of Jen. Like if we're talking like, all-time greats, it's going to be Jen Thompson versus Bonica in the end here. That would have been that would have been the greats. But even taking about Jen's past experience, she still is very much going to be in the battle for a top podium spot. Um, and for that reason, I'm going to give the nod to Jen on this one. Yeah, and, and for Christina Lasso's case, I'm actually very curious to see what happens uh, under Garrett Fear. Um, she's getting new coaching, so... Because when we see with the Arnold to the Midwest primetime, she matched her best total, didn't have exactly, uh, I, I wouldn't assume, the meet that she wanted. Um, but you know the progress is there because from Raw Nationals to the Arnold, she put 20 keys on her total, which is great progress from Nationals to Arnold. That's actually a very difficult thing to do. And a lot of progression there seems to solve it at Midwest primetime. And now different coaching you don't know what's going to happen, but I would agree. The ceiling there is, I think, top five, Christina Lazzo, and Jen Thompson is Jen Thompson. Yep. I think one of the reasons we saw we saw this a lot, I mean, the Midwest primetime was an actual competitive meet. I think you saw all three women who were in that battle there at the end not put up their best totals because they couldn't just worry about their total. They had to worry about beating each other. Yeah. So I think Christina could have had a better meet at Midwest primetime if she wasn't worried about competing against everyone else as well as I think she actually didn't weigh in at 57. So that, that means actually not counting to the total here. Um, but yeah, this is a closer battle. than I think people would, would say in large part because Jen's coming back from injury as well as the fact that Christina has been making really good progress lately. So even though this is a three to 14 seed, this wasn't some major blowout, but um, again, if I'm looking at ceiling, Christina's ceiling, possibly third, Jen's ceilings, possibly second, nod goes to Jen. Yeah, absolutely. I would have to agree with you on that one. Um, and with our next matchup, we have, I think, rivaling uh, rival rivaling Saplicki and Weinberg. I would actually say a little bit more close is Jen, uh, Jasmine Penn and Cameron Brown. On yeah, this I one. think this is. I think this is the closest women battle, in my opinion. Looking at all the all the matchups, maybe Kristen, Kristen and Tina were probably maybe rival that too. If this is this is right up there with it, where this one was very very tough. Yep. Yeah, and I'm looking at the voting right now. I know it was pretty close. Um, let's see. Same thing. 
So Cameron Brown, the powerful peach, got uh, 51% of the vote, and Jasmine Penn got 49. They were separated by 12 votes. So just like Charlie, just like Chance, and just like uh, Zaplik and Weinberg, extremely close to the fans voting. So fans are realizing, right, that popularity doesn't really matter in this sense, that both these lifters are quite close. I think Cameron Baum might have gotten a nod from the fans for being quote-unquote more popular. I don't know if I, I wouldn't really say she's that much more popular than Jasmine Penn. But this matchup is interesting because Cameron Brown in 2020 has made incredible progress. Has really put herself onto the scene in the 63 kg division as being one of the top lifters there. And I, don't, I wouldn't say she came out of nowhere, but she's definitely one of the sport's rising stars. Jasmine yeah. Penn, on the other hand has been one of the top female lifters in the USAPL for a few years. And I don't know if we'd be having this conversations if she really didn't have unfortunate meets where the judges quoted, I mean, but they screwed her over. Yeah. I mean, she could, we could very all be talking about Jasmine Penn being a world champion and a national champion with just a one light difference at each meet. Yeah. Um, so I went back and forth on this one. I really went back and forth. Um, jazz Jasmine has had a couple injury issues lately. Um, she just did compete at a heavier weight, um, not full 76, but she competed at a heavier weight and didn't have her best meet. But I, I believe that's because of some, some back issues that she's been having, but looking at her current training, I believe she just posted a rep PR on deadlift. So that bodes well to training, kind of trending back in the right direction for her in that regard. Um, so I'm excited to see that. But because of that, since she had kind of like a, not her best meet and some injuries, I was thinking Cameron Brown. But then I looked at Cameron Brown. I think she hit a little bit of an injury bug too. You may know more about that than me, but it seems like she's had a little bit of a downtick. Um, but I think both of them are picking up some steam going in the nationals. But that's where it comes back is if, okay, if they're both at the same point where they're kind of picking up steam off of a little bit of injury, that's where it got a little bit more of a debate for me. And I kind of had to then kind of think breaking down kind of where they are on the roster, um, where they are um, in past neat performances and stuff like that. I don't know. That one just got interesting for me. Mm -hmm. um, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with you. It's um, it's one of those situations where they're almost identical lifters, but what separates them is what I talked about at the beginning of the show is Jasmine Penn has those accolades. She's been on the stage before. She's been a high level before. She was one light away from being called a national champion. Um, you know, what happened happened. She wasn't a national champion because of that. Um, if that call goes the other way, we're having a completely different conversation right now. And because of that, we use I, I use that in this matchup over Cameron Brown because Cameron Brown just recently broke onto the scene. Her Virginia winter record meet was her coming, coming out party. People recognized her at that meet and Jasmine Penn has been doing it for a longer time. And now that you factor in both seemed like you can't really, I, I can't, I don't know if she got snapped up or anything. I don't know if she's going through an injury bug right now. Um, I don't know, really, based on training, why she would even be pushing it after the winter record 
to a point where he be, you know, putting something up on Instagram that's impressive, right? I don't know how hard he would be going in training, like, after that meet till Raw Nationals. I just don't know, like, if that's the reason why we don't see a whole lot of training coming from her. Um, so it seems like just based on progression right now, they seem to be at the same point. So the reason I say she, so, I'm going back to March 3rd. She squatted 364. She said, I will allow this time to heal up. And okay. total something respectable. Okay. That's that's where I got the gist that Cameron. He did have, have COVID. Over. Could have been that too. He, he did have that. Just because the, the 364 looked like that moved a didn't move hard, but it didn't look like I mean she was what she was squatting close to four hundred, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Cameron Brown. I think she, she was over four, I think. Four oh two. That's what yeah. I was thinking. It was four oh two. So I don't know. Went back and forth. Let's look at kind of the breakdown of it. So Jasmine Penn, her total coming in is 507.5. I believe that was um, that was back in 2019. Like I said, she didn't have her best meet um, recently. Taking that into account and looking at the other people in there, Chloe, Isla, and Dana. So they're going to – and Gina, Hensley, and Kiana Webb. There's kind of like going to be like a, a five or six lifter battle there for second place with Daniela. Jasmine's in that. I, I think Jasmine is in that battle for second. So I could see her ceiling being second. Her floor being six or seven, depending on kind of how she's doing and how she progresses and if she's able to, to keep healthy. But her, her, her ceiling's second. For Cameron, I see her ceiling probably as third. Um, we've got Sam Calhoun and Jennifer Milliken. Jennifer Milliken's about 20 kilos over. Cameron um and at least looking at training I don't see anything to warrant that Cameron's going to add 20 kilos it's very well possible but I'm going to say Cameron's uh ceiling is third and her floor is probably fifth yeah yeah I would agree with you on that one and I think within Jasmine Penn's case it's like you you might be competing there for just second place regardless in that and Cameron Bond might be in the same ballpark there. He might be in second place. So it's hard. And then if you even look at their best like dot scores, they I think they're identical. Or I know I think I think uh, Jasmine Penn just just beats her with 5.17 on dot score. So they're they're close in every sense of the word, but ooh, man, this is hard. Cuz I think with this conversation this debate, I think I I've uh, flip-flopped here. On my on my pick because I was I think on Team Jasmine initially now I'm starting to talk myself into Cameron Brown again. Yeah, I mean if I'm looking at Jasmine, the meet she just did she totaled 1074. Yeah, she only deadlifted 407. Her best deadlift is 446, and I believe she just hit she just hit 424 for a double in training and that was a PR. So I'm gonna assume Jasmine can hit. 446 plus again. She's attempted 474. That's the one she almost locked out at Raw Nationals. Almost, so, yeah. If she almost <laughs> locked out four. She, I mean, other than the soft knees, apparently, she's hit 474 and she just hit a deadlift PR for a double. So let's say she can hit 460. That's 50 pounds on her total, which would bring her to 1125. 11.30, that would put her around 5.15, 5.20. I don't know. Yeah, like I said, I, I, I don't think I could... I, 
I could very well see an argument either way. Uh, it comes down to, we've talked about in the past, if we have a tie. We talked about this with Tina and Kristen Dunsmore. Um, when we have a tie like this, where I don't know, both of them could legitimately get second. Both of their training looks fairly similar in how it's going. I'm going to have to go back on past performance then. Because everything else is a tie in that sense. Both 76 and 63 are very competitive classes. I'm going to go back on past performance. Jasmine is a world-level competitor. Was soft knees away from being a national champion. I'm going to go with Jasmine for that reason to break the tiebreaker. All right. Well, I'm going to have to, yeah, I'll have to agree with you on that one. Just simply due to her performance at 2019 Raw Nationals. I hate myself, kind of, because based on recent performances, Cameron Brown beats her. This bay, um, Virginia Winter Wrecker and the Jasmine Penn's last meet. Um, man. Yeah, I do hate myself for that, I think. <laughs> yeah. I would, yeah, I would give Jasmine Penn the nod still. Just as far as what I think both of them can do. As far, I, I guess it would be different if, like, if Cameron Brown. <laughs> if was, Jasmine didn't post that deadlift PR, I'd be going with Cameron Brown. But that is telling me that the issues she had with her back and her deadlifts at her last meet have seemingly been resolved. And if she can deadlift back to where she was, that's where she's coming back to the tie with Cameron. And that's where then I'm going back on past performance to dictate my winner. Yeah, I I think this might have been the hardest decision that I've made on this one. Now, because I think of it, and I just think of most, most recent performances – um, can Cameron Brown repeat that? I don't know. Jasmine Penn has proven that she could, you know, repeat world-class performances. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Jasmine on that one. Um, yeah, closest, closest, I think the closest decision I've made, at least in my brain, because I just flip-flopped, I think, three or four times with you and I talking just now. So, um, Jasmine Penn, moving on, two to one vote. And now we have Daniela Mello. And Mariah Bolden, a little two for 15 battle. So, Mariah, I know how it feels to get 15 seed against a number two seed. But in your case, you got one of the best females to ever do it, Daniela Mello. Um, hard, hard number two seed to draw. But I still think, in Mariah Bolden's case, an excellent lifter. But in Daniela Mello's case... It's interesting because it's been it's been a while. It's been a while since we've seen her do anything on the platform. Yeah, it's been a really long time, but I think we've seen some really good training from her lately. Mm-hmm. She seems back in the groove of it. Um, I believe she squatted four ninety six in training recently. Um, I believe she's pulling back over five. Um, bench is looking good. So, like the fact that Danielle is going to seventy six. If she can even get close to matching what she was doing at 84, that's going to run away with that division, no problem. Put her in probably top three women in the USAPL, no doubt. So that's just a tough match at the land. Daniela is one of the best lifters in the world. We just haven't seen it lately, just for a lot of multiple different factors. Mariah, I mean, she's seemingly made really good progress every meet, and she hasn't competed since last March. So we haven't gotten to see what she's done on the platform for a while. But if you're looking at every single one of her meets, every single one of her meets from 2017 to 2020, she PR'd her total. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So um, I think we very well will probably see her bring something even better. Um, but with that, it's just bringing her, it, even if she PRs her total, I'm trying to find her on here. She's looking at ceiling of possibly, probably fourth-ish, probably fourth in the 57 kilo class, uh, which is very, very respectable. She'd be kind of looking at a battle with Caitlin Berry and Christina Lazo, and then depending on kind of how Allison, uh, Christina, Brittany, and Megan do. So she could, I could possibly see her moving up to fourth based on her progression, um, going up to maybe like the 430, 440 kilo mark and really kind of pushing some of those competitors for a podium spot maybe. Um, but Daniela is, is, I mean, there's a chance Daniela could hit her openers and win Raw Nationals. Yeah, that is a very good point. And I, I don't think there was ever really debate um, between like who's going to win, but Excited to see what Mariah does because when you see a lifter consistently make progress, and again, if you look at her meet history, it's all on like big stages. It's Raw Nationals, State Championships, Raw Nationals, Arnold. Like that's a you know when you when you're doing the big meets and you're performing at those big meets, it's good to see, and I'm excited to see what she can do. But Daniela Mello is going to be interesting going forward because the fans vote obviously had her. I think you and I both have Daniela Mello moving on. The next rounds are going to be interesting for her. I'm curious to see what the fans vote for, what we what we discuss, you know, you and I, because it's just something that we know what she's capable of on the platform. We just haven't seen a lot of it, and there seems to be some breaks in between her training too. Where, you know, I mean, a lot of people have had breaks in their training, but this is extended, but we know that it's just, it's, there's, there's been some times where it's like not exactly in the gym powerlifting. So that's going to be interesting moving forward with, I think, a lot of the voting and a lot of our decisions, but she continues to put up the training that she's doing and continues to progress. Then yeah. uh, some of that's been, she's had some, help. She, I don't know if it's, I, I know she's had some quad issues before. Um, so she's had some little little injury setbacks here and there, but yeah, she's seemingly doing pretty well right now. I was assu- yeah, that was the thing. I was assuming injury problems, but I just that's speculative. That's me speculating. Like I don't yeah. know. Like I, um, I, I really don't know on that. Again, one of the best female lifters in the world. Moving on to the next round, and we're gonna get next episode with you and I. The second round, the Sweet Sixteen, and we thought these. For some strong debates, it's only going to get more and more interesting because these are going to get really, really narrow and close. We're going to be talking about people who are getting first in both. I mean, both of them are going to be getting for uh, looking at first place in their classes. I mean, we're going to, yeah, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna get, it's gonna get heated. Yeah, I'm, uh, pre- I'm pretty excited for that. I'm pretty excited for the debates. I'm also very excited to release the brackets on who moved on to the next round and the people get upset and not realize that we talked about on two white lights. I can't wait for yep. that. And also, I think it's going to make more people upset as we move on because there's going to be some there's going to be some fanboys and fangirls for both the men's and fem- women's side that are going to defend their lifter to the death, and they are probably going to hate whatever decision we come up with. So um, I'm hoping actually the comment section gets really gets gets volatile to, uh, when we release these brackets in the uh, in the final and then when we get into the final fours and the sweet sixteens and the elite eights and all that stuff. So a um, lot, lot to look forward for my perspective because I think everyone knows who listens to Two I Lights that I just I thrive on negativity. 
I thrive on I thrive on the Instagram uh, comment section. I just love it. And I love adding just one extra comment to piss people off and then just leave for a while. Yeah. Uh, any closing thoughts, Mr. Genovi? No. I think that's about it. I mean, you wrapped up that, I mean, what, four hours of going through these first 32 matchups. So, again, every single one of these lifters is phenomenal. Like, just to get on this list was a high accolade in itself. You're one of the 32 best lifters going into mm-hmm. Ron Nash. I mean, you said it yourself. Like, you were just happy to be on it, even though you got matched up against Perk. So, um, there's no shade to anyone if you didn't vote for you. It's just a matter that we're just trying to really kind of break down every little detail we can to provide conversation of kind of just who we think is going in to raw nationals in the best suit to be the best lifter in comparison with their weight class and in comparison to world records and comparison to how they're going to be competing against other people and whatnot. And it's, it's just fun to be able to talk about and add this little element to the discussion. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree. And you know what? I, it was personal if I didn't vote for you. So you find me at Raw Nationals and fight me. I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty easy to see. I'm the homeless guy. But that'll do it for Two White Lights. We'll see you guys uh, possibly on Thursday with a guest who is to be determined. Peace!